are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lido Dayan. And in today's episode, I had the privilege to talk to a man that I consider to be one of the top experts in the fitness in the world. Some of you might know him from his best-selling muscle-building program, the MI40. He is Ben Pakolsky. Ben is a very humble and smart guy. I really learned a lot from talking to him with the hour he gave me. Some of the topics we discussed about were the mindset of elite athletes, how to make your vision and turn it into reality, the importance of executing your muscle in order to make them grow, and a lot more that I believe can really benefit your training and your life. So without further ado, let's begin the interview. So uh, first of all, I really want to thank you uh, for everything that you do. I've been, uh, you can call it uh, a fan for a couple of years. Uh, I really love your work, uh, all the stuff that you put out there, the, your program, Semi-40. Uh, I, I bought like everything and like I, I really love to learn. And as a trainer in my past, I, I really loved what you teach about the uh, tempo, how to uh, really uh, train your muscle and your uh, nervous system to work together. And uh, this is, I'm really grateful for everything that you put out there. So thank you, man. Thank you, man. Glad I can help you. So uh, I want to start uh, a little bit about you. So for people that don't really know who is Ben, how would is your journey begun in fitness and can you share with us please sure man uh, I started training at 15 years old uh, I was a very competitive athlete I played a lot of baseball volleyball hockey football and uh, I just kind of noticed the guys all over me doing it and, and so I tried and I noticed I got faster so I liked the way it felt and I kept going back pretty much every day because I feel as though my legs loosened up and it made me feel like I was going faster so I literally started going to the gym every day before I played sports uh, and then I started to like it, and I started to respond. And, um, you know, honestly, there was one winter where I put on a large amount of weight in a shorter period of time uh, because I went from being a long-distance runner, which I was doing, you know, to improve my athletic ability, which I didn't know was wrong at the time, but that's what I was doing, uh, and a vegetarian at the time just didn't eat any meat because I heard it was bad for me, so I stopped eating it. Mm. Um, and I started eating meat. I started eating like, and training like a bodybuilder, basically, and I, went, I put on – Probably about 75 pounds uh, over the span of 18 months, uh, not completely natural. I was about 16, going into 17, I guess, about 17 I was, and then uh, that was it, man. From there, I was hooked. But what made you, like, really take it to only level, like, uh, to a bodybuilding competition and become one of the top athletes in the world? Because this is not, like, you know... Uh, Something uh, most people are, are willing to, you really took it far. So what made you at uh, the shift in your brain? Like, I really want to take it to the next level, see how far sure. I can take it. Well, I think it was, I just had the really highest standards for myself. I mean, you are the standards to which you hold yourself. And uh, when I was 17 years old in 1998, my dad took me to Mr. Olympia in New York City. 
And I, I honestly was probably 170 pounds, 175 pounds, barely started training. I'd probably been training, like I said, for about a year. But I saw these guys, and uh, I was just blown away and amazed. And I didn't necessarily know at the time that I wanted to be a professional bodybuilder, um, but I knew I wanted to be muscular. I knew I wanted to work hard, um, and, and I loved the way it looked. So uh, I started comparing myself to those guys right away. I didn't want to be the biggest guy in my gym. I didn't want to be the biggest guy in my city. I didn't want to be the biggest guy in my country. I wanted to be as big as Flex Wheeler, or as good as Flex Wheeler, or you know Ronnie Coleman, and Milo Sarchev, and Dorian Yates, and all these guys that I saw the year, that year at that show. Uh, and if I wasn't that good, then nothing mattered to me. You know, I did I did take people's compliments and go, oh, you know, awesome, I look good. It was never about that for me. It was always about being as good as the best in the world, literally from day one. And that's just how my brain worked, I guess. Do you feel uh, there is a lot of uh, who you spend your time with? Because who you spend time with is who you become. So did you start to spend more time around people that you were inspired to be like? I'm absolutely a believer, man. You are the five people you surround yourself with. At the time, I didn't have anybody in my life that was successful, to be honest. Maybe that's why I was so inspired to join a gym. Um, you know, my family, you know, God bless them, great people, but uh, very lazy, uh, very, um, you know, feel sorry for themselves, a lot of complaining, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of substance abuse. Um, so my friend, I spent a lot of time on myself, man. My friend was the weights, my friend was the gym, even sports. I was very good at sports, but um, I was a terrible team player because I just said, you know, everybody, you sit down, I'm do this all by myself. I wanted to play everybody's position because I just didn't think I could depend on anybody else, man. That, I guess my family had put that on me when I was a kid, or from the time I was little, it was like, if you want to do something, there's nobody there to help you, man. You know, you look, look to the end of your own arm, that's the only hand you're going to get, and uh, I guess that's how I took it from bodybuilding, you know, and I had a lot of people along the way that came and said I wasn't a very nice person in bodybuilding, especially when I started, but it wasn't about being mean, it was just about, if you're not helping me get better, you're making me worse, mm -hmm. so get the fuck out of my way or I'm going to run you over, and that, that's just how I was from day one, and I never saw it as being, I wasn't mean, I was just very focused, and, uh, you know, I think that's what allowed me to be as successful as I was, just, um, Truthfully, just going after it with everything I had, and I didn't even have a plan B. You know, there was no other option, man. Like for me, it was just like that's that's. I never thought about anything else. That's all there was. It was like, however it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. But it's, I know it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And because I really believe, like we all have dreams for our life, but it's like taking a vision and actually make it real when there is no evidence around you, and uh, when the world is not giving you anything to like uh, really believe in it so how can you actually shift the brain and when there is no evidence around you when your even family tell you like you're crazy what are you doing so how can you still uh, hold on that faith your belief tell you what man everyone is going to doubt you everyone doubted me from day one you know everyone doubted me and uh, I, I don't know if I took it as fuel maybe I did uh, I just knew inside that it didn't matter. The only thing that mattered, the only person that mattered is me, man. Everything that I wanted to do rested on my shoulders, whether it was, you know, be a successful bodybuilder or graduate university like I did uh, or start a successful business or whatever, man. I just knew that there was nobody in the world. I always had the attitude, man. I always had the mentality that if anyone could do it, why can't I? And uh, it's just literally how it worked out in my life was uh, I saw other people doing it and, and you know, I knew that if somebody else, some other human being can do it, there's no reason why I can't. 
And one of the best stories that I, I tell is I saw Marcus Rule, who's an ex-pro bodybuilder, who is still probably the biggest human being ever. I saw him at a guest posing, and uh, he was literally sitting there at a table signing autographs, and he was resting his chin on his chest. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. If I could build a fraction of that, I could be a professional bodybuilder. Um, I just knew, man, there's nothing in the world that you can't do. And this is something that I try to teach all of my followers is, um, you know, your limiting beliefs are the beliefs that you have that you can't do something. Or the limiting beliefs are the things that have been put into your brain from the time you're a child or your youth or even in your adult life that holds you back from believing you can take full accountability, responsibility, and ownership for your life. And that's literally it. It's just your belief system. So if you learn to take ownership for your life and, and, and create what's called an internal locus of control, which means I know that I control everything, you know, everything from the way that I look right now to how much money in my bank account to the, the woman or, or, or my spouse in my life, uh, everything. I control that, man. And, I, and if I don't like it, change it. And uh, I've never been one to make excuses, man. Like, I don't know that I've heard an excuse come out of my mouth in a long time. Yeah, you're absolutely right because every success that I studied and the people that I interview, uh, the number one comment is responsibility. When you take on ownership on your life and you don't uh, ask for it or you are trying to seek for somebody's health, help, then you actually make everything you want in your life. And this is what's common in any success that I studied because it's all about responsibility, taking your own responsibility because nobody is going to give you your dreams or want your dreams as much as you do. That's right. So I want to also talk to you about uh, competition. Are you planning uh, to compete uh, in the next Arnold or the Olympia in the future? No, man, I'm done with competing. Um, I'll tell you what, man, uh, competing for me was a great, great thing in my life, and I loved it for 90% of the time that I was doing it. But for the last couple of years, I had no more purpose. I had no more reason. And in life, if you don't have a very crystal clear purpose, you don't stand a chance. So every time I go in the gym, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? You know, I, I'm doing, I'm not enjoying training anymore. Um, I wasn't in, I was taking time away from my family. I felt guilty for that. I was taking time away from my business. You know, when I train, man, I'm training long, I'm training often, I'm training hard. And the rest of my day is often like toast, man. If, to be the best in the world at anything, it's 100% laser focus, and I was no exception. You know, I had to be very focused to get to where I was. And the last couple of years, man, since I had my, my children, to be honest, since my, my daughter was born in 2013, since I had my daughter, my son was born in 2012, but, uh, so since I had those two, two children, uh, I just didn't have the same purpose, man. Like, I just, I didn't know, I no longer saw a need. Bodybuilding was no longer something that I needed to do. Uh, I wanted to take all that time and commit to, to spending with them and being a great dad and learning and building a great business, uh, being a great mentor for them, being a great role model. And um, now when you don't have purpose to go in the gym, you just won't work as hard anymore, man. Like those, when those reps that really count, that really make a difference are sitting there in front of you and you don't have a reason, you don't, you're not angry anymore, you, you, don't, you don't have a clear purpose, it just won't happen. Yeah. Did you feel that you were you were in the competition, and back then you like uh, felt that is this all there is when you just you, you walk your ass off, and then when you finally finish this, your brain was like, 
that's all there is. Like, I, I don't feel like fulfilled from this. No, man. Um, so competition was never a fulfilling thing for me, but it was never a goal. The, the accomplishment of being the hardest working, mm. most badass motherfucker in the gym was what was fulfilling to me. Uh, I wanted to have the reputation for outworking everybody, and I loved it, man. I loved the idea of doing things other people didn't want to do. Uh, so that was fulfilling for me. The process, never the outcome, man. Uh, like, you know, somebody asked me, man, was, was it um, uh, fulfilling for you to have won your first pro show last year? And I said, man, it was no different for me to win a pro show than it was for me to do any other show. The only thing that's fulfilling for me is when a prep goes really, really well. And all my workouts are amazing and my meals are perfect. Uh, and I don't, like, nothing goes wrong, you know. Or everything goes, that's fulfilling for me because I know I've become a better man. I know I've become a better person. I've overcome my desire to quit. I've overcome my desire to cheat. I've overcome all these things that are natural human tendencies that everyone wants to do to, to make shortcuts. That's victory for me, man, is um, going deep into those preps where I know nobody else would be willing to go, man. Like, the amount of work that I put in, not even other pro bodybuilders did as much as I had to do to get in shape, man. I come, like, I hate to do kids the genetic cop out, man, but I don't have genetics of being lean, man. Like, people see, uh, I'm not a naturally lean guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to eat. Like, you know, when, I, when people say they're eating off-season, my, my off-season look like most bodybuilders' contest prep. Um, you know, is it perfect? Not in the off-season, but either is any other bodybuilder on the planet, not most of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm you know, I eat very clean all the time because I have to, man. And, and that's maybe, you know, why I, uh, I loved bodybuilding so much is because every single day was uh, making me a better man. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's like... Uh you put really high standards on yourself and this is what also separates a lot of uh, high achievers in the world because they have so much uh, higher expectation from themselves and the standard and the standards it's something i believe you build it's not it's not like overnight you're like okay from now on i'm gonna eat clean i want i'm gonna train six days a week it's something you build you start with something and over time you get better at this right because many people think like oh it's easy for you but it was not easy at the beginning for every, like, uh, if you know uh, Harv Hicker, he said that every master was once a disaster, right? So yep. we all been there. And, uh, yeah. So basically, man, it's the idea of creating great habits and uh, overcoming obstacles, right? Like, you know, most people, when, when they see something hard in their life, when, when something starts to be a struggle, when, when something starts to be a challenge, they avoid it. They go the other way. They find a way to not have to go full speed ahead. And if you really want to create the highest standards for yourself, you have to overcome those those obstacles and create the habit of success. You know, success is, and Aristotle said it, success is a habit. You know, that's all it is. Um, he's got one of these great quotes. Um, but, you know, look up Aristotle's quote about, about success being a habit. All it is is the habit of overcoming the natural desire to be lazy, overcoming the natural habit uh, to be uh, to avoid hard work, overcome the natural habit and instinct to always take the easy road. And uh, when something gets hard, you know, this natural inborn tendency, even in training, what does your body want to do? Your body wants to make it easy. Mm -hmm. So you have to always look for the hardest path, knowing that on the other side of that path is a bigger man, is a better man, is a better human being, you know, or a woman or whatever it is. That's what, um, you know, I, and, and I've got this habit now. Uh, you know, or at least with my clients or people who come and train me here at the gym, is when things are the hardest, when things are 
look the most bleak when, you know, the hardest part of your hardest workout or the hardest part of the most stressful day or when things are really, really shitty, smile because that is the universe giving you a chance to grow. Mm-hmm. That's your greatest opportunity for growth, man. Think about it. If you don't have anything that's challenging, well, you can't grow. You know, so the bigger the obstacle, the bigger the opportunity for growth. Right, right. You're absolutely right. Uh, problems are just a, a gift if you see it as a gift and not just a problem. And we all grow from it or we just try to avoid it. And uh, yeah, I also wanted to ask you, like, do you find yourself like in a lazy state or mood and what do you do to overcome it? Do you catch yourself like, oh, okay. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Laziness is often a result of lack of purpose. So when I was a competitive bodybuilder, not once did I ever miss anything. I was uh, very uh, neurotic. I was very meticulous because I knew that everything was got was working toward this guiding principle, this guiding this guiding purpose. Now that I'm retired, it's honestly a lot harder, man. This is a very new place for me um, because I don't have a specific goal right now. My goal is to lose probably 100 pounds of muscle, uh, but so that just means eat less, and I'm eating less, but I'm not losing any weight. It's funny, like, you know, people think you stop training, you, you stop taking hormones and stuff, and, and you lose weight. I don't lose any weight. <laughs> I weigh still over 280 pounds. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, when I have a very strict guiding purpose, laziness doesn't even enter your mind, and maybe that's the answer for your listeners is if you are lazy, if you are having um, periods of not wanting to do stuff, you need to dig deeper. You need to spend more time by yourself thinking um, and just determine why. Like, why do you want to get shape? Why do you train? Why do you want to get whatever it is? Why do you want to make money? Why? What do you, what do you think it's going to give you? And, and if you don't have clarity on that, uh, you're in big, big trouble. So this morning, ironically, I was listening to a book. Um, I, did, I do a two-hour walk every morning just kind of by myself. The biggest thing you can do for yourself, man, is someone said to me, read less, think more. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, okay. Like, I read like a fiend, right? And uh, But, like, imagine spending at least an hour a day meditating, thinking. Because if you don't have time alone thinking, your brain is constantly being bombarded with information, whether it's your phone, your radio, your TV, your girlfriend, your wife, whatever. Your brain never has time to be alone and, and get to know you. Get to know your thoughts, get to know your passions, get to know what fuels you. Where does your brain go when it's left all alone by yourself? Mm-hmm. And that's a very valuable thought process, man, is get, get alone with yourself, think. Um, this is why I'm a huge advocate of meditating. You know, I meditate every day, uh, sometimes more than once a day. Uh, and sometimes it's only 10 minutes and sometimes it's as much as an hour. But it's really just gaining control of my thoughts and getting clarity on my purpose. And if you don't have an overriding purpose, you're in trouble. Yes, you are. You're absolutely right. I recently started to do more, if you know, uh, priming. It's from Tony Robbins, and it's like you take uh, 15, 20 minutes of your day. You focus on three things that you're really grateful for. Two, like things that you're like family, something that happened in your life, and one simple thing. Because he said, like, there is so many high achievers, like uh, the astronaut, that got into the moon, and then, like, if you need to find the self of uh, uh, gratitude uh, or uh, appreciation from like achieving like this big and then your brain is like okay i achieved to go to the moon so now what 
So this What's is next? Why, Dude, yeah. Same thing for me at the Olympia and the Arnold. I'm like, well, what's now? What's next? You got to sit and quarter away, right? Yeah. So even finding uh, like uh, from a smile, right? Or something that's like just the, the wind or the smallest thing, if you can find something beautiful about this. That's right, man. I'll tell you what, I, I do three minutes of gratitude every day. That's a practice that I've done since 2007, so 10 years. Uh, it's hard. You know, I'll get, on, I'll get on the cardio in the morning if I'm prepping or I'll go outside and I'll walk and I'll do three minutes straight of gratitude, you know, just repeat like thing after thing after thing after thing started the things closest to you like your family and your loved ones and work your way out and just spend three minutes straight doing that it's a challenge man you have to start looking for some things especially if you're not repeating the same stuff day after day you know mm -hmm. learning to be grateful for things like getting a tony robbins says like getting a parking ticket how do you be grateful for getting a parking ticket well i'll tell you what you're giving somebody a job you're giving you're putting money on uh, food on their table uh, you're contributing to the economy. Uh, you know, there's lots of things you, you can always find a, a positive in everything, uh, and that's you know that's a massive thing is that gratitude. Uh, just training your brain to look to consciously look for the positives in something. You know, like shit, the IRS is coming after me. What's the positive? Well, Debbie, you're learning. The IRS is teaching you in a very fast way to start being responsible with your money. Yeah. Start keep start keeping track of stuff. Yeah, I I recently also interview. Uh Tony Robbins' son, Jarek, and he told me like uh, uh, something that was really got me. He told me, he told me like, uh, first you learn it, then you live it, and then you give it. Because you can't give something that you can't uh, first learn and live, right? <laughs> yeah, and pe people don't get that, right? And that, you, know, you can read all the books in the world, man. You can read every book in the world. But life is the test. So until you learn how to apply it and put all those things together, I look at it like a big puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. I try to fill in all these puzzle pieces. That's great. I, I finished the puzzle. But now what do I do with the puzzle? Well, I got to learn how to apply these things. I have to, I have to place them in my life and, and look at how they most impact me. So literally every time I'm reading a book, it's not just reading it, consuming it, and passing it off. It's like, okay, where does this fit in my life? How can I make this um, useful and, and allow me to make my life more more effective, more beneficial. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, as you know, you are one of the top experts, I believe, like in the world. So, of course, uh, there will be some question about training and nutrition. Sure. Uh, so, um, I'm a big fan of the MI40 program and most of the of your work, the bulk and that kind of programs. And I really like the, the thing that you said, tempo is so crucial. And uh, in the past, I interviewed guys like, uh, I don't know if you know him, Harry Combs, and uh, he said uh, that uh, the number one factor uh, is uh, progressively overload. So most guys out there is trying to really, you know, ah, oh, I need to get stronger, so I need to lift more heavier and heavier weights. So what's your perspective about the tempo and the everything? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. Progressive overload is absolute bullshit mm. until until you learn to master execution. So, you know, it's funny, I'm actually writing an article about this literally right now, I wrote it yesterday, um, why everyone thinks progressive overload is the holy grail of muscle building, but they're just massively misguided. So if I pick up a weight, what determines where it goes? My brain. My brain is always going to go in an order of top priority to lowest priority from a perspective of my brain is going to distribute that load. Let's say I pick up a 100-pound dumbbell. My brain is going gonna, is gonna to distribute that load into the biggest muscles because your brain is always looking to 
uh, keep yourself safe. Your brain is always looking to uh, allow you the opportunity to, to do this as long as possible with the least energetic requirements, right? Your brain is trying to sustain itself. Your brain is try trying to sustain, maintain homeostasis. So your brain just automatically takes this 100-pound weight and shifts your body and shifts tension so that that weight, the majority of that weight is going to the biggest muscle. Now, that biggest muscle may not be the one you're trying to train. So uh, if you want to specifically target, laser target specific muscles, the way you execute is everything. So adding more weight to the bar arbitrarily never, 99% of the time, does not automatically equate to automatic muscle growth. And and one the reason number one is your body's going to distribute the tension somewhere else. Number two is what, what is it what always happens when you increase the load? Let's say you're, you're working at around 80% of your max, and now you're feeling really good. You got 10 reps. And now let's okay, let's let's give numbers. Let's say I'm doing a 100-pound dumbbell press, and I did it for 10 really good reps. I'm trying to train my chest. If I go to 110 pounds and I do 10 really good reps, does that automatically mean that my chest got more work? Yes. No. Not even close. No. Why? No. Why? Why? Well, because <laughs> when you're equating tension, so the muscles know tension, right? People are trying, by increasing the weight, you're trying to increase the amount of tension from yeah. bone to bone inside the muscle. By adding more weight, you're increasing the load, but you're not necessarily increasing the amount of tension. Why? Because load is only half of the equation for tension, or in this case, it's torque. So torque is the same thing as tension. When we talk about tension, torque is a circular uh, form of tension that goes around a joint. All muscles in the body move, or all joints move in an arc. So the equation for tension around a joint has to be torque. Mm -hmm. So half of the equation is load, and the other half is what? The tension. Distance. Distance. So if I decrease the distance from the from the joint I'm trying to influence, mm. I massively change the amount of torque at the muscle. Does that make sense? Yes. So let, let's give an example, man. I'm holding a, I'm holding a 30 pound dumbbell in my hand, straight straight above my head. So my wrist, my elbow, and my shoulder are stacked, holding a 30 pound dumbbell there, right? Mm -hmm. How long can I hold it there? Forever. Probably a long time. And how about if I keep that same 30-pound dumbbell and I move it three inches outside of my shoulder? How long can I hold it there? Not too much. And how about if I take it way out here? So Maybe a couple of seconds. Like iron cross. Maybe a couple of seconds. What changed? The, because the more the fire it is from you, the gravity wants to take it down. Gravity didn't change. Gravity's still the same. But what the, changed? But the force is like it's here. Right, but what, what actually changed? The distance yeah. from the axis. The axis I'm trying to influence is my shoulder joint. Mm -hmm. So all that I changed, right here there's no distance, so I can hold it there all day. And when I'm here, the distance is like 24 inches. So theoretically, that could be 24, 24 times, or however long my arm is, 24 times heavier than it is here. Um, so just by, I didn't change the weight, still 30 pounds, but just by changing the distance, I massively influenced the amount of torque necessary to be generated by these muscles to hold that weight in place. So let's say I'm doing a bench press and I, and I have my hands here kind of like above my elbows and I do a 100 pound dumbbell and all of a sudden I bring it in a little bit to do 110. What happened? Okay, you decrease the distance. I decrease the distance. So depending how much I decrease the distance, I might actually be doing less work for my pecs 
that I am with a hundred pound dumbbells. So even the little, like you can't really see it, but even if it's like just that little, it can. Uh. And man, it always does. When you see guys using the heavy dumbbells, what always happens? Yeah. Does it go further away from them? No, man. Mm -hmm. They bring it really, really close. They shrug those shoulders up, bring their hands right over top of their shoulders. So their pec is literally doing zero work, except to stabilize the shoulder. The tricep may be doing a lot of work, but as far as actually training that specific muscle we're trying to train, in this case we're referring to a pec, mm -hmm. it's doing less work, if any at all. So here's the reality, man, is the way you execute has to be consistent. So until you have a qualitative uh, objective, quality remains the same, quantitative objectives are useless. So this is what I try to teach people, and, and they always get buttered about it. People still think, you know, get all about this big uproar about, oh, that's not true, man. Oh, progressive overload is everything. Well, man, if, you, if you've ever looked at a physics textbook in your life, exercise is all physics. Exercise is all angles and loads and, and forces. If you can understand physics even just a little bit, you can completely change your life, man, and completely change how training influences your body. Because all, all your body's doing is adapting to external forces. That's it. So gravity is a force, load in your hand is a force, the floor is a force pushing back up, back up against you. All these different forces, and all these, and all these different forces is what forces your body to adapt. Mm -hmm. So subjecting it to the right forces, to the right place, is what you should be considering. Progressive overload. If someone tells you progressive overload is king, delete them off your life. because they have, or, or send them to me, more importantly, <laughs> and I'll teach them. Because, because I don't try to teach people from our perspective of saying, hey, man, you're dumb, I just try to, like, hear what they have to say, and I'll explain to them, and everybody goes, oh, my goodness, I've made such a mistake. That's really what the reality is, man, but, you know, I always say progressive overload is bullshit just to be a little controversial, but in reality, I just want to teach people, hey, man, it's not, it's not the holy grail. It can't be the holy grail until you've mastered execution. So without, you know, what we teach here is called precision execution, and I say precision because it's literally laser targeting the exact muscle you want to target. And how, yeah, how long uh, it takes for an average guy to uh, learn to really uh, know how to use his body for a beginner, it, let's it say? Depends, it depends how much you've messed up along the way. The, mm -hmm. the more you've been training, the longer you've been training, the more those movement patterns are, are kind of ingrained into your nervous system, and the harder it's going to be to break it. And conversely, the more you can focus and not revert back to those bad habits, the quicker it's going to come. So I've seen people change in literally three weeks. I see people change in six weeks, but I also, I've also seen people who take three years and don't change. It really depends how, like anything, man, like it really depends how committed you are to changing. So are you right-handed or left-handed, Lita? I'm right-handed. So I'm going to ask you right now, take that pencil you have in your right hand and put it in your left hand, and I want you to write your name, and I want you to write it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that uh, perfectly. Uh, yeah, perfectly, absolutely perfectly. So if you take as long as it needs, how, uh, take your time. How long is it going to take you? Probably like about 15 seconds. <laughs> right. So what did, what, what did it look like? Was it fast or slow? Slower. Okay, now, right. So when you go to exercise and you're trying to learn something, what should it look like? Fast or slow? Slow. <laughs> how long is it going to take you to learn? How long is it going to take you to learn how to write your name perfectly with your left hand? If I do it a couple of times, then I believe it will take, maybe, it depends how much work I put in. Exactly, there's your answer, right? So, if you want to do it 10 times a day, 20 times a day, you do it faster. If you want to do it once a week, it's going to take you a while. But we uh, don't so want like, to, like, oh, okay, guys can listen to this, okay, so I will go to the gym 10 hours a day and I will train. 
Well, no, but they can certainly do it every day. Mm -hmm. You know, they can certainly do it m multiple sets every day. They can certainly do things like squats. They can certainly do things like push-ups. They can certainly do things like dumbbell curls in their house. Um, there's certainly things you could do. Well, you're not going to go to the gym 10 times a day, but you could certainly do some things to, uh, you know, 10 times a day is obviously an extreme example, but um, maybe it's once a day. Maybe it's at full body every day, learning how to do the core exercises. Maybe it's every other day. Whatever it is, man, it depends on how committed you are to um, – Achieving your goals. So, you know, what you just did right there is if I said, hey, I want you to go to the gym 10 times a day to get fast results, and you said, no, I can't go to the gym 10 times a day, well, it just tells me your level of commitment to achieving the goals, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you only want to go once, someone else may be willing to go 10 times, mm -hmm. and they'll get faster results. So there's ultimately no answer. Yes. And I can tell, like, when I started your MI40, when it just began, and I I literally after two weeks saw a difference. At the beginning, it was like I was thinking about the time I was with the stopwatch, and I was like a robot, you know, like ah, ta, yeah. ta. and then after uh, uh, two weeks, it was like my brain automatically moved in a certain way. And when I started yeah. to walk like this with uh, people, they saw it uh, automatically changing uh, in themselves. Yep, absolutely, man. Your nervous system is pretty smart, and it depends on how well nourished you are, if your nutrition is really good, how well rested you are, how much sleep you're getting is very important. Your your neurotransmitter levels are very important. So the, the neurotransmitter acetylcholine is going to be very, very important to motor learning. So for people going for our primer phases, so we teach primer phases here at the gym at the MI40 headquarters. And uh, primer phase is usually six weeks. And we always make sure that we're decreasing inflammation, improving rest, recovery, and sleep, and giving people an acetylcholine supplement and make sure we're supporting gut health because gut health is obviously very, very important brain health. So those things are very, very important to someone who's looking to improve their ability to execute exercise and thereby accelerate the results, right? Because mm. you know, just to put it quickly, if your execution sucks, you're not burning fat efficiently, even going into a fat loss phase, you can't do it properly. Going into a strength phase, you can't, you can't execute that properly. Everything is going to be inefficient because your ability to contract is less efficient. So until you improve your ability to contract muscles, Everything is less efficient because it takes you a greater amount of volume to achieve the same, the same intramuscular stimulus. So let's say I'm laser targeting a bicep curl. It's perfect execution 100% every time. It, and let's say it takes me three sets of eight to get you know this stimulus that's going to elicit growth. And that's an arbitrary number. If my form sucks, let's say my form is halfway there. Let's say it's 50% of what a perfect execution is. Well, it's going to take me twice as much mm -hmm. volume, twice as many sets and reps to achieve the same result. That's that's just a reality, right? Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen? The negative effect of that is I'm going to accumulate extra inflammation and more likely to accumulate extra metabolic damage or metabolic um, negative influences. So possibly really taking away from my ability to build muscle and burn fat because driving up inflammation is going to increase cortisol, so driving up cortisol we're potentially going to contribute to greater insulin resistance. All these things are realities of poor training habits. And uh, do, do you think uh, that some body parts respond better to maybe high volume or, or frequency than any other? Like if you look at calves, which is a muscle that most uh, people have lack of development. Well, step one, Lidor, is everything, man. Everything starts with execution. So for me to give you prescription for the number of sets, reps, and exercises would be ignorant because I don't know where you are in your ability to execute. So I tell everybody, start with one. Mm -hmm. Start with one and get it perfect. 
Um, do different body parts respond to different amounts of volume? Absolutely. Um, but how much? I have no idea, man. You know, some people have quote unquote strong body parts and weak body parts. So strong body part to me is just a greater ability to, to directly laser target tension through that muscle. Your body puts it through there naturally for most people through certain body parts and other body parts isn't natural. But it's very important for people to realize that if you can build one muscle, you can build them all. Your, your internal chemistry, your internal and hormone, hormonal environment, your internal nutrient status is all the same. It's all the same all around your body. Your muscle fiber composition is the same. Uh, it's, it's your, that's your genetic makeup. You're all the same. So if you can build one muscle, if you have one muscle that develops really, really well and you can't develop another, it has nothing to do with the fact that your mom had a weak body part or your dad had a weak body part. That's do You just haven't figured out how to put tension through it yet. So and take that for what it is. And for the, for the average guy, when can he actually know that, okay, I am sure that I am, can execute right now because most people think they, I, I know how to train. <laughs> But they have no idea what they're doing. No, you're absolutely right, man. Most people don't have a clue. It's a sad reality. Uh, I guess it's the type of thing where everyone, you know, you ask everyone, um, what's what's holding you back from achieving the body that you want? And everybody says nutrition, and they're, everybody's absolutely wrong. Um, you know, if you want, if you actually want to improve your body, your nutrition is important. But without proper execution, you don't stand a chance. So, you know. I tell everybody, it's got, it's got to start with execution, man. Um, you know, maximize your execution, and then everything else just seems to become easier. So, what was your question, Peter? About how the average guy can know that he can execute. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So, how's the average guy know? Well, ultimately, if you're not getting the results you want, everybody goes through this learning curve where you know every beginner gets gets results, and they think their execution is good, and they stop seeing the results they want, or maybe one body part's developing, another one's not, or they start getting sore joints. And they start realizing, man, maybe I'm not doing this correctly. Maybe there's a better way of doing it. That's usually the, the journey everyone goes on. It's not usually a realization of, hey, I'm doing this well. Because in truth, man, it, it's it's a never-ending journey to try to get better. Like, I've been doing it for 10 years now. And every time I go in the gym, there's always, at the beginning of every workout, there's a, a what I call a proprioceptive inventory set. So basically just going as slowly as you possibly can taking inventory of what's going on in your body and feeling what hurts and what contracts and what doesn't contract, uh, it's an ongoing process, man. Like, if you want to be great at something, how often do you practice? Every day, man. How often does Michael Jordan practice free, show, free throw shots? Yeah. Every day. You know, ultimately, if you want to be really good at something, you got to do it every day. If you want to just be okay, well, then, you know, do it occasionally. And you'll never, never achieve perfection, but it's always just constantly trying to be as good as you, as great as you possibly can. Yes, you're absolutely right. And um, another question I had from uh, the guys that uh, listen to this show is, uh, what do you think about uh, the term called amino acid pool? Does it play a role like muscle glycogen in the liver? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely, it's mostly a blood thing. So plasma level of, of amino acids is very relevant. If you don't have a high amount of plasma amino acids from consuming protein, you don't have the ability to synthesize protein, right? You, you can take a leucine, but unless you have like plasma, high levels of plasma aminos, there's nothing to synthesize, so your body can't transcribe RNA and DNA, which is the, the production of new cells and the production of new, uh, whatever needs to be produced, hormones, whatever it is. So there needs to be sufficient um, plasma pools of aminos. In reality, 
it's always there. Um, your body will, will break down your own tissues if you're not consuming enough. So if you want to grow, you should be taking it from, from a food source or a supplemental source to make sure that you always have an abundance in your bloodstream. Otherwise, if it's not there, your body needs it for ongoing daily processes, whether it be producing hormones, whether it be just regenerating cells, detox. Um, so your body's going to break down its tissues to find it. So it's a very important realization that, that um, you know, high level of plasma aminos is uh, relevant if your, your goal is building muscle. So how is a vegetarian or vegan uh, people can, do you think they can build muscle effectively if they don't have any meat in their diet? I don't know the answer to that, man, to be honest. If, if I didn't think so, I've always thought no. I've, I've always honestly thought no, you can't. But I don't know. So like for, you know, if, you, if you look deeper at the biochemistry of it, all that needs to be there is some shared aminos and leucine, theoretically. You need to have all the, the essential aminos. If you have all the essential aminos and you have leucine, your body synthesizing protein, Theoretically, it doesn't know which aminos are there. You know, obviously, certain aminos are required for certain processes in the body, uh, but specific to building muscle, from my knowledge, man, all that, all that you need to have there is, is adequate substrate, essential aminos, um, which are, are essential because they need to be provided from the diet. Your body can't produce these, and you need to have leucine. So if you can take in enough amino acids from a vegetarian source, I honestly don't know why you couldn't be a successful bodybuilder or muscle builder. Um, but in, in truth, I don't know if it's possible. But there's no reason physiologically or biochemically why you wouldn't be able to. And do you feel like the, in order to know that you have a good training session or workout, the pump is something that is, is important? No, pump has nothing to do with it, man. Pump is more about nutrient status. Uh, about hydration levels, so it's definitely not relevant. Um, can it play a role? Sure, um, but it, it shouldn't be, it should never be about chasing the pump. I know everybody goes, I didn't get a pump today, so I gotta do something light and squeeze. Like, here's a very good analogy that, that um, we kind of went through on one of my podcasts recently. So if anybody out there is competing, and if I'm not be very familiar with this, a lot of guys go to shows and you know they'll, they'll cut their water a couple of days before the contest or the day before the contest and they'll end up looking like crap on stage like oh i screwed up i just you know i cut my water and i got really flat well in reality you didn't screw up you did what you're supposed to but you just didn't have any muscle to begin with and that's a, that's the harsh truth but that's the reality of it is most people take a diuretic and lose a whole bunch of tissue or so they think they hold lose a whole bunch of tissue but they're just losing volume um, because when they train, they're training for the pump. So all of their appearance of muscle is just hyperemia. It's kind of, it's uh, cell swelling, which is okay sometimes. But in reality, if you want to have hard, dense muscle, you've got to lift heavy weight. Well, you don't even have to lift heavy weight. You have to have tremendous amounts of tension, which is causing hypertrophy, which is the accumulation of protein-dense muscle tissue. That takes time, man. That takes time. That takes hard work. And most people, to be honest with you, man, just don't work hard. You know, everybody in bodybuilding thinks it's a drug thing. It's not a drug thing. It's a training thing to get big, man. Like everybody goes, oh, I'm gonna take more drugs and get bigger. No, man, it's not about drugs. It's about how hard can you train to build more dense tissue. And that's unfortunately the reality of our current culture is everybody wants the, the easy way out and do it fast. Nobody wants to put in the work. And you think like it's a lot of mental thing, like how far you can push your, your brain? Because when you're training, it's it's a, a mental game. It's like you think that you gave maybe more, but 
you can you could give more if i would like put your child and tell you like if you don't do uh, 20 more reps i'm gonna slap him or something like that right and you will do like 100 if you you have to yeah man so th- th- there's a really brilliant navy seal named mark divine who was just recently on my podcast and uh, he's got a book he got a couple books uh, the unbeatable mind is, is the one i'm referring to but he ta- talks about the 20x effect so 20 times what you think you're capable of is what they realize that you probably are capable of. So not 20% more, 20 times. So, you know, they push these Navy SEALs really hard, man. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with the Israeli Special Forces, how hard those guys are working. Like, they're nuts, man. And, and you know, we think we go in the gym, we do a leg repair. I'm like, oh, that was really hard. I, I killed it today. You know, hashtag killed it. Bullshit, man. And, and nobody, nobody works hard. Everybody's they're, they're lazy, and, you know, their perception of hard is – is hard, is hard to them, but in reality, is it actually hard is the question people should be asking themselves, and compared to what? You know, that's probably one of my greatest advantages as, during my career, I never thought I worked hard, man. I could always do more, I could always work harder, uh, and I was always hungry for more, so, um, you know, just, it, it comes down to that. But it's like, some people take it, like, too drastically, like, okay, I am not walking hard enough, so I need to be like three hours in the gym, or they push it like to absolute failure. So when do you actually know where you are? Because a lot of people, they're just trying to be like maybe Schwarzenegger, so they are like training three hours per day, uh, three hours, and then like, but if they don't, their nutrition and everything is not on point, so it can actually not doing good to them. Sure, well, you just said it, right? It um, depends. It depends on their genetics. It depends on their nutrition. It depends on their ability to recover. Are they natural? Or are they enhanced? All these things are, are different variables. I think step one for everybody, everyone needs to realize that the most important thing you're, that you're going to do to make progress, short-term progress and long-term progress, is you've got to improve your execution. So before you even think about working hard, before you think about how many sets, how many reps, how many exercises, it doesn't matter if they all suck. So let's make one really, really good to start mm-hmm. and then build progress from there. So this is that's the only time progressive overload becomes relevant, right? It's like once we've met, I'm a huge believer in progressive overload. I absolutely think it's necessary and the best thing you can possibly do. But it doesn't matter until you master your execution. So how much work? The answer is I don't know. The answer is once you've mastered your execution, then progress it accordingly and strategically fluctuate your stimulus. Should you always be doing the same rep range? No. Should you always be doing the same exercises? Probably not. Could you? Yes, as long as you change your, your, your stimulus. I want to say stimulus, strength stimulus, so neurological-based stimulus, hypertrophy stimulus, metabolic stimulus. All those are three different basic stimuli that need to be targeted specifically by, by changing your reps, your sets, your tempo, your density, your volume. All those things are relevant, right? But not until you master execution. Mm-hmm. And... I also want to talk about uh, the MI40 gym and uh, what, because I saw that it's uh, really different than most gyms because you have like machines that actually uh, develop to be like the structure of the the person, right? Yeah, sort of. So um, everything in the gym is hand selected, it's private and uh, everyone who comes in here is working with one of our coaches and the coaches have gone through 18 months of uh, intense training to learn how to execute things and understand biomechanics and understand everyone's got a master's degree or an undergrad degree and something to do with exercise science. Um, and the, the, the gym is basically 
design to optimize body transformations. And what that means is there's an important realization that everyone should make when it comes to how they train. Every muscle has a varying ability to produce force. That basically means your, your level of strength is different at every part of a range of motion. So if I'm doing a bicep curl, when the arm is fully lengthened, has a, that's a different, your, your bicep there has a different ability to lift a load than it does when your elbow is fully flexed or your forearm's touching your bicep. And, and everywhere in between is variable. So it's called a variable strength curve. So a variable ability to generate force. And so thereby, the ideal exercise scenario should be matching that. So if, if you think about this conceptually, the, the most perfect rep, if, if one perfect rep exists, it exists in that every inch of that the contractile range that my muscle has is giving 100% of what it's capable of, of its momentary capability all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm giving 100% effort at every single inch. That's not possible unless the weight is changing through the range, right? So if you're doing a dumbbell or something, it's probably not possible. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the machines we have are the closest things that exist in the world currently to matching that. So basically you're just getting really, really efficient workouts, whereas otherwise it may have taken you two, possibly three exercises to train all of those parts of the muscle, muscles range effectively. Now you can do it in one. So we've got to theoretically cut your workout, your training time down two thirds, theoretically. Really? So can you give me an example for, of a machine? Like, let's say you have a, a machine core. Okay, so you feel like that you execute better, like from the beginning of the movement to the end. And what's different about this? Um, okay, so for a bicep, let's say um, where your forearm is touching your bicep, mm -hmm. it's where you're weakest. That's the shortest position. That's where you're weakest. So you need the load to be relatively light there. You need to drop off. So if I picked a dumbbell, and I did a dumbbell that I was able to get to that fully shortened range where my forearm is touching my bicep, then for the entire rest of the range, it's going to be light. Mm -hmm. So in the middle of the range, then I need, so where my elbow is at 90 degrees, I need a heavier weight. And if I picked a weight that I could do in the middle of the range where my elbow is at 90 degrees, I wouldn't be able to get to the shortened range. Uh, and then conversely, I wouldn't be able to get to the long range either. So the ideal scenario is, the weight, it's, it's what's called the strength curve. So if you picture a typical bell curve, it's you're kind of weakest at the extremes in most cases, and you're strongest in the middle. So this is not, I, I can't say that is true for all the muscles because it's actually different for every muscle, but specific to the biceps, let's say, um, again, it, without, without drawing a curve for you, it's kind of impossible for me to say, but let's say for the most part, your, your strength is um, shifted so that you're stronger from the lengthened and mid-range, and you're weaker from the short range. Yeah, but I, I think you didn't understand my question. It's like the machine, you said you have, like, it, it's uh, help you develop it, like, differently, because it's not like dumbbells, right? Yeah, I, I understand your question, man, but it's not, it's not a very good question. I, there's no way to describe it. Like it's just it's just a variable resistance profile. And without without getting into physics, you're not going to understand it. So for your listeners who understand this stuff, it's just a variable variable resistance profile. So all it is is it's matching what my body can do. So mm -hmm. 
if you can imagine uh, the amount of force that's being um, so you just feel different forces while you you lift exactly. it. Okay. Yeah, it just matches what my body can do. Mm -hmm. Okay. L last question that I always ask people uh, that I interview uh, is what is the legacy that you would like to live long after you will not be here in this world? Uh, great question, man. I want to change. The, I want to change the fitness industry. I want to ch change the entire fitness industry. I want to change. I want to change every man who's ever worked out. So, right now, children, and I say children who are maybe 13 to 15 year old teen teenagers, are being taught um, a very incorrect form of exercise. They're being taught very narrow-minded. Um, nutrition information, they're being taught that, um, uh, you know, basic high school, you know, lift weight, lift more, that's it, you're being taught what your other guy who just said he was on a podcast is being taught, like, put more weight on the bar and get stronger. Um, I want to shift the paradigm of the entire fitness industry to really understand that optimal health and fitness doesn't have to end when you're 45 or 50. Like, you can maintain what you've got in your mid-20s until you die, like, is, is there a lot of variables? I believe so. There's a lot of hormonal considerations. There's a lot of toxicity considerations. There's a lot of environmental considerations. Um, but I want to lead the conversation for the paradigm shift of men specifically, obviously women as well. But, you know, I, I, I'm a man, so I relate to men. Um, I want men to realize what's possible, man. Realize what's possible from a perspective. If you just take control of your body, your mind will follow. Uh, and conversely, if you take control of your mind, your body will follow. You can't separate one from the other. They're, they're the same thing. Um, and taking control of every aspect of their life and controlling the conversation around what what does fitness look like when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, and allowing men to overcome the belief that we have to age or we have to get worse or we're going to get fat or we're going to lose health because um, I, I don't really believe that that's reality. Like, are we all going to die? Of course we're all going to die. But of what? And, and does it have to be a decreased quality of life as you get older? And, you know, what's degrading as we get older? And why, can, why can't we stop? You know, like, why can't we stop hormone degradation? Why can't we stop, um, you know, vitamin deficiencies? Why can't we stop insulin resistance? Why can't we stop... Um, you know, brain diseases like um, Alzheimer's. Why can't we stop those things? Why can't we stop cancer if we know it's a metabolic disease? Like, I think proper nutrition, proper training, proper environmental awareness. So taking taking awareness of your sleep, taking awareness of your home. Uh, I think it's a really relevant conversation, and I want to be I want to be remembered for being the catalyst, using my platform as a professional bodybuilder to be the catalyst to uh, allow people to realize that, that they can live a long, vigorous, rigorous, happy life. That's amazing. Do you think like uh, there are some, of course there will be negativity because many people will print something on, on guys uh, that were uh, professional bodybuilders, so they say, ah, yeah, he takes drugs, so it, it, it's not the same for like... Uh, the, the average guy that doesn't take drugs and stuff like that. Uh, uh, can you, what's the question? So do, you, do I think there's going to be negativity? 
no, the negativity will always be there, right? But sure. do, do you think, uh, uh, never mind, I forget do, this have, question. Uh, do, you, do you think it'll take away from the message? Do you think people will question it? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, something like that. Sure. Um, well, I don't think it's going to take away from anything, man, because I'm, I'm very transparent. Um, I'm very open with what I've done and what I'm going to do. And listen, man, if people want to judge somebody else for what they've done in their past, then they're not the right people to listen anyways. Mm -hmm. One day they're going to open up their eyes and go, man, it doesn't matter what somebody's done in the past. It matters what, what they're teaching know. me now or the message they're conveying me now. And would I change what I did in the past? Hell no, man. I, I think it was amazing. It allowed me to, to become the man I am today. Um, you know, drugs or not, man, like, I was still the hardest working guy in any room. Uh, you know, could I have done that without it, without the drugs? No. Could I have been in a locust? No. Could I have been an amazing bodybuilder without it? Yes. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be transparent about it. Like, would I have built as much muscle? Oh, hell no. Um, nobody can, but I was, it's still the hard work, man. How many people that, that you know, man, take copious amounts of anabolic steroids Mm -hmm. Still look like shit, train like shit. They just get bad acne, and they you know they get bad tempers, bad acne, bad attitudes, but they don't get any body, right? So, it's funny that a large percentage of guys take something, some form of assistance, um, even if it's a small amount, and, and don't get any results, right? So, judge us how you want to judge, or judge me how you want to judge me. It doesn't offend me in any way, man. Uh, I'm comfortable with who I am, what I've done, and uh, where what I'm doing in the future. Yeah, and, and because we live in a, in a world that uh, everything is marketing, so everybody is trying to sell you what you want to hear, right? right. Uh, and this is the hard part because there are some the guys like you that believe in uh, uh, authenticity, authenticity, and uh, really the real truth. And most people just don't want to hear it. They want to hear the the magical pill or uh, the secret to the six pack uh, shortcuts and all all of that crap. And yeah, they want to believe in fantasy. You're absolutely right, man. They want to believe that every athlete in the world is natural and nobody's using any type of assistance. Anybody who's pushing it to a hard level is getting assistance somehow. And I'm not saying they're cheating. I'm saying they're looking for some way to get an edge, whether that be you know whatever it is, biohacking or or figuring some way to to push the system and that's reality man like that that's, that's kind of how we're always gonna do why wouldn't you right mm -hmm. like i want to be the best and I, i'm going to push the system in any way that i can as long as i don't hurt myself mm -hmm. my health is 100 percent you know i've been away from bodybuilding for only eight months my health is already 100 percent um you know not that it was bad when i left but you know, obviously there's some, some markers that are there uh, so yeah man life is great i'm having i'm enjoying my family enjoying retired life and i'm looking forward to building something cool in the future so where can we find you Muscle Expert, man. Muscle Expert Podcast on iTunes, benpokolsky.com slash podcasts. Uh, I'm also at the MI40 Nation, so I'm always doing daily vlogs, um, video logs. I'm also doing regular articles, video content on the MI40 Nation. So it's myself and my coaches here at the MI40 Gym. If anyone's ever in Tampa, uh, we have a private training facility here at the gym. Uh, so it's an awesome place to go visit. So I thank you very much, man. Uh, there you have it, Ben Pokolsky, BPAC. Uh, so thanks, thanks uh, again for everything that you're doing. It's amazing and a privilege to, to talk with you. Thank you very much, man. Likewise.
If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST factor. The FAST factor stands for 1. Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number 2. Act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders, and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe, and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.